of Matthew chapter number 13. And stay seated, please. Let's read this together. Let's, let's see what we can learn and pull and abstract from these verses of Scripture. The Bible says here, and says, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, Every time you read your Bible, this is important, church. When you are reading your Bible, whenever you come across these words, you need to stop and ask the Lord to give you great revelation. All right? When you see these words, you need to pause. Don't just read fast. Stop and say, Lord, I need your help so that I can understand. Because he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this all right when he says those words when he says the kingdom of heaven is likened unto that means he's about to give you an example of how you're going to make it in or how you are not going to make it in does that make sense so when we see these words, it's important not to just run and skim through this. We must say, okay, what is Jesus saying here that I can understand so that I can get into the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, now that's the first key right there. That we must be careful that we not are spiritually sleep. Mm -hmm. You can be in the church, but if you are spiritually sleep while in the church, then something can happen to you. You can slowly drift away. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in the field, but he was sleep. And while he was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. So while people were not being watchful spiritually, while there was growth taking place, while the seed was in the ground, the enemy came and said, well, you're not paying attention too well, so then I'm going to come and sow seeds as well. You better believe the enemy is sowing seed just as much as you are sowing seed. And some of us, if we're not careful, the enemy is sowing more seed than what you're sowing into the ground. Amen. You wonder why your pastor and other pastors before me have always taught pray every day. Read your Bible every day. You should be fasting. You should be sacrificing. Come to church. He's trying to help you to deposit seed into the ground. Because the less seed that you're depositing, the more seed the enemy is depositing. And I want to remind someone the enemy doesn't stop depositing. So we have to make sure that we continue our deposits knowing that greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. Am I making sense, everybody? Okay. I, I'm sorry this may sound like Bible class night, but we, we go learn tonight, all right? Okay. So he says, verse number 26. But when the blade was sprung up, so when we start seeing 
something coming up out the ground from that seed. When the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appear the tares also. So we see some fruit coming, but we also see what the enemy also planted as well. So you'll have some good spiritual days, godly days, but then all of a sudden we see that attitude start showing up. That's those tares that the enemy has also planted. We see things coming out of our mouth that we want to, how did that get there? It's because while you were asleep, the enemy was sowing those tares into the ground as well. I've been doing good for a month, but then all of a sudden I'm, I see something coming up that I know I didn't plant. How did it get there? It's because while you wasn't faithful to the house of God, when you wasn't praying, when you wasn't reading your word, the enemy was putting seed in the ground as well. And now all of a sudden you're thinking things that you didn't think was even there. So in verse 27, the servants of the householder came and said, hey, hey, wait, wait a minute, sir. Didn't not thou sow good seed in thy field? I thought you were saved. I thought you had the Holy Ghost. I thought you was one of them holy people. What you doing in this place with us? What are you doing cussing? I thought you, okay, let me keep preaching. I, I, I thought you were something and now I'm seeing something different. Wait a minute. Sir, what is this? Why? From where did these tears come from? He said unto them, an enemy has done this. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the enemy. Mm -hmm. An enemy has done this. It is we are in a spiritual warfare. Yes, you are going to have things that wrestle against your flesh. We're flesh. We're people, we're human, we're going to have disagreements, we're going to have things that come up, we're just flesh. But we're not just wrestling only against that, we're wrestling a spiritual battle. This is, a, this is what the enemy has done. And so he says, an enemy done this. The servant said unto him, well, wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, no, 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 no. Lest while you gather up the tares, you also, you root up also the wheat with them. When we see individuals and people acting in a way that is not Christ-like, we don't just kick them out the church. You, you don't just remove them from all activities. Now, it's, it's up to the pastoral team and staff and, and, and me to decide what they can do and cannot do in the church based on what they did. But we want forgiveness. We ought to extend forgiveness. We, we see somebody make a mistake and all of a sudden, oh, they can never do that again. 
don't let them do this again. Don't let them sing again. Don't let them play again. Don't let them usher again. We forgive. We love. And we let the Lord work on them to help them so that they can be restored. Because there's still some good there that we see. There's still some good fruit. The, the scripture didn't say the good fruit went away. It just said that there was tears along with the good fruit. Oh, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Amen. And, and, and so he said, no, no, don't, don't do that. Because you root up also the wheat with them. But verse number 30 says, let both grow, someone say, together. Let both of them grow together. Let them grow together until. Now, we got to focus now. We got to focus. The Lord is trying to teach us a principle here. Let them grow together until the harvest. Now, remember, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto. Right? Right? Let them grow together until the harvest. And then the time of the harvest, I will say. So we need to stop trying to be lords over God's heritage. Jesus said, I will make the decision there. You don't get to decide who's in or who's out. You don't get to decide who can belong and who can't belong. Jesus will have the final say. Mm -hmm. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, hey, I want you to gather ye together first the tares. And I want you to bind them in bundles to burn them. Because If we don't make a decision to burn the things and allow God to burn the things away from us that need to be burnt, then you're going to end up burning yourself in the end. I I hope that didn't go over your head in the back row. I'm going to repeat that again. If we don't make a decision to allow God to burn off our impurities, and if we have stuff hanging on us that should not be hanging on us, then we are going to be gathered up as well with the reaper to be burned in the end. I sure hope I'm preaching to a church that just doesn't believe in heaven and you don't believe in hell. They're both real. So we have to allow the Lord to burn off the things that should not be there. Because he's going to bind them in bundles. Scriptures lets us know that hell has enlarged itself. Well, why would hell enlarge itself when it was only made for the Satan and the fallen angels? That's the only reason why hell was made. Hell was not made for you. It wasn't made for you. It's not the will of God that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. What is repentance? Purifying, burning, getting rid of, turning away. Help me, Lord, to have a mindset to turn from my wicked ways that I can make it in to heaven. 
Huh? Am I helping somebody right now? Okay. Bind them in bundles, burn them. But gather the wheat into whose barn? My barn. Jesus, his barn. Notice this, his barn. That's why it's his church. We're God's people. We are his sheep of his pasture. He leads us beside still waters. He restores my soul. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why, David? Because thou art with me. His rod, his staff, his correction, his guidance, it will comfort me. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Magnify the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There's so much I can preach here, obviously. But, but I do want to focus on the seed in the field. I don't know if I've given my title, but that is my title. The seed in the field. Has it been back there the whole time? No. Oh, they do a good job. I'll tell you what. They, they own it. The church should be a place of confirmation, not a place of realization. The church should be a place of confirmation, not a place of realization. Now, if you do not have parents that brought you up in church, if you are here today and you're unfamiliar with church and you don't have a background of biblical scripture and understanding and you don't have any heritage that taught you biblical principles, then the church is a place of realization and confirmation. But if you have biblical background, if you have parents that brought you up or someone, some type of guardian that has instilled something into you, then it's not a place of realization. It should be a place of confirmation. Parents who have children living at home with you, this is a place of confirmation. I don't care how old they are. Two, three, or 23, doesn't matter. If they're in your house, they are your children still living under your rules. Then the church should be a place of confirmation. They shouldn't come to church and realize it's important to pray. They shouldn't come to church and realize, oh, I should read my Bible every day. The church shouldn't be that way to where they realize it's important to worship. But no, it should be a place where they, they are confirmed here what they see at home. Mm -hmm. The church should be a place where there is confirmation of what this being, excuse me, what is being taught and shown at home. 
Because if you're not sowing good seeds, the devil is steadily sowing tares. And seeds are sown at home. Can I keep teaching tonight? Because I feel like I've got a word from God for us. Seeds are sown at home. As the pastor of this church, I feel like I'm sowing more seed than I should be. I should be watering more seed that's already been planted in the ground. Hallelujah. But it's only because there's no seed that is being sown in the home. And, and, and so there should be more parents and even young people that say, thank you, pastor, because you just confirmed what my parents have been telling me for years. Or parents should be coming, thank you, pastor. I'm trying to instill that principle at home, so thank you for sticking to the doctrine of Jesus Christ. They shouldn't come to church and realize, oh, I must repent of my sins. Oh, I've got to live a holy and separate life. But no, that example should be shown at home. But we can be confused if people live one way in between the four walls and live a different way outside the four walls. Why? Because you're sowing seed in the ground. Hallelujah. It's no different. It's amazing when we have an evangelist come and it seems like he begins to reiterate everything that I've been preaching for some time. Why? Because I'm sowing seed. The seed is not there. No, it's already been put there. He's coming to water that seed. It's no different. I should be more of an evangelist to your children. Why? Because you're preaching to them at home. And then when they come to church, they hear the exact same thing, the exact same way from the exact same word. And then we see some wheat begin to grow out of the ground. Hallelujah. Now, for those of you that do not have children at home, but you are considered to be spiritual. I have Bible for you. It's in the Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. The Bible says, brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault... You which are spiritual. Now, if I was to ask, please raise your hand if you're spiritual in here. Brother Davenport may be the only one that raises his hand. No, brother? Okay, all right. All right. There may not be many that lift their hand and say, oh. But whether you consider yourself spiritual or not, there is a generation that is looking to you that sees you as spiritual. Hallelujah. There are people that view you as spiritual. So those that are spiritual, the Bible says, restore such a one. How, though, in the spirit 
of meekness. Because when we fall, we need somebody to help us to sow good seed back into the ground to remind us that we can make it. When we make a mistake, I don't need one of my elders to keep me down, but I need an elder to come by and lift me up and say, you can make it, son. You can make it. I was once down, but I didn't stay down, but I got back up. That's why I'm still here, not because I'm better than you, but because the Lord has help me to remain and that's what somebody needs to hear sometimes that we can still make it so those of us that are spiritual the bible says that we are to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness why are you to do that because you to consider yourself you consider yourself lest thou also be tempted because what one person is going through, you know you can be going through the same thing. What somebody's dealing with and struggling with, and you're looking at them like, they just need to be saved. No, you need to be saved. We all need to be saved. <laughs> Every one of us need it. And so we can't look at someone else as if they're lower than us because we can eventually be going through the exact same thing. Bear one another's burdens. Mm, someone say one. I believe I preached on unity not too long ago. Maybe that was last Sunday. Bear one another's burdens. Verse 3 says, For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, you deceiving your own self. You can walk in here with your chest out, head high, thinking you all big and bad like you own the place. God says you're nothing. You deceiving your own self. But when I come to the house of God, I'm not chest out, head up. If I'm, my head is up, I'm looking to the heels because I know that's where my help comes from. Other than that, I come to lift up the name of Jesus like everybody else. I come to humble myself like everybody else. I come to realize that there's a God that I need in my life. Just like everybody else. Because if I think of myself as something when I know I'm nothing without him, we can do nothing. That's what your Bible says in John 15. Without him, we, we can do nothing. The scripture does say we can't do all things, but it's through Christ. That strengthens us. Because whew, we need a church that is full of good seed. We need a church that is full of good seed. A pastor friend of mine was sharing with me that he preached a conference at a church. He was invited to come preach at a church, and he preached a Friday-Saturday conference. And the church that he went to go preach at was just a small church, not big in number or size, just a small group of people. But he said, Pastor Robinson... These people worshiped. He said, I don't know if I've ever been to a church where everyone was worshiping. He said, it amazed me so much that I wasn't worshiping. I was just watching everyone. He said, I was amazed. 
He said, when I say everyone, everyone worship. There wasn't one person that did not at least lift their hands and magnify the Lord. Everybody did something. He said, I was in amazed. He said, my church doesn't do this. This is amazing how these people worship like this. He said, I literally just stood on the front row and I just watched them. He said, so after church, I went to the pastor. I said, I said, pastor, how did you get your church to worship like this? What did you do? How was how everybody worshiping? The pastor responded back by saying, oh, our best worshiper wasn't even here this morning. He said, he said what? He, he couldn't believe it. He said, the best worshiper? He said, so I couldn't wait to come back to church on Saturday. He said, because if everybody worshiped like this, I want to see what the best worshiper looks like. He said, I've got some pretty good worshipers in our church, but if this is the best worshiper in an all-worshipping church, I need to see this. So he showed up that Saturday. He's ready. He shows up early. He's ready. Not, not to preach, to see the best worshiper. He's ready to see the best worshiper. So he shows up on that Saturday. He's like, He's got to be obvious, right? He, he's got to be obvious. What, what does he look like? Who he is? And he says, no doubt, here he comes. He, before the song service even started, here comes this man walking all the way up to the front. And there he goes. He's just moving and dancing and shouting. I mean, the entire time from the moment service started to the moment worship was over, he just worshiped. And he said, wow, that's a good worshiper. That is one of the best worshipers I've ever seen. He said, but something else caught my eye. As I'm watching the best worshiper worship over there, everybody's worshiping, I see two twin four-year-old boys. And they're over here just to get me. They're jumping up and down. They're worshiping. You know, they're four, so they'll stop, giggle, elbow each other, kick one another, and then they'll go back to worshiping. And then he said one of them will open up their eyes to see if the other one was worshiping and then he'll, he'll mimic his worship So whatever one was doing the other one was doing it was just copying off each other just to worship So his focus is off the best worshiper now now. He's all about these little four-year-old twins. He's like no, this is amazing right here So after church he goes And the pastor says did you see the best worshiper? He said oh, yeah, man he, yeah, I, I seen, I knew it was him and you guys worship. He said, but something else caught my attention. Who are those little boys that was up front worshiping? He said, the little boys, you mean the twins? Yes, the twins. Who are they? I want to know who are they? He said, now, wait, you're talking about the twin boys that was dressed alike right up on the front row and, and, and they were worshiping too? He said, yes, who are they? Because I love their worship. He said, oh, those were the sons of the best worshiper. We need a church that sows good seed into the ground because when we got parents that will worship the Lord, when we got parents that's not ashamed to worship the Lord, then the next generation will worship the Lord. We got to sow seed into the ground. Somebody magnify the name of Jesus if you're not ashamed to worship.
Well, I got my family following me because when I sow a seed into the ground, my children will follow after my example. I wonder, do I have some people in here that's not afraid to worship because we need good seed in the ground? Jesus name because the church should have confirmation the church is a place of confirmation so we don't just run at church guess what we run at home we don't just worship at church guess what we worship at home because when we come to church we're just confirming that God's a good God we're just confirming that he's still on the throne somebody throw up your hands lift your voice and sow seed into the ground Uh-huh. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. So, if your worship is cute, that's the seed you're going to sow. So don't get mad at your kids when your kids got a cute praise. If you're not afraid or ashamed, then your children won't be afraid or ashamed. Why? Because we got to sow the right seed into the ground. But you, if you stiff, your children go be stiff. If you don't worship, your children won't worship. If you don't pray, your children won't pray. But if you pray, the children will pray. If you worship, your children will worship. If you throw up your hands, your children will throw up their hands. I wish I had a church in here that was not afraid to worship the Lord because I'm sowing seed. I'm sowing seed. I'm sowing seed into the ground. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I got my four-year-old Carrington up here. She don't even really know what to do, but at least she's up front. She's up front. I'd rather have her up front. Go ahead, Ava, praise the Lord. Go ahead, babies, praise the Lord. Somebody ought to sow seed into the ground. Because if you're not sowing, the devil's sowing. I said, if you're not sowing, the devil's sowing. So my worship, Sister Beth, just isn't for myself. My worship is also for my family. I want to prophesy to you. Your worship should not be just for your current circumstances, but your worship should be for your future circumstances because you don't know what's ahead. You don't know what God has for you. So your worship should be dictated. Your worship should be dictated based on what you believe that God is going to do because I'm sowing seed. I'm sowing seed. I'm sowing seed. In 
in Jesus' name. I wonder if we can have a 30-second praise break. I know we don't got no music, but I wonder, can we have a 30-second just praise break? Just magnify the Lord. What are you doing, Pastor? I'm sowing seed. I'm sowing seed. I'm sowing seed. Come on. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. In Jesus' name. Come on, Brother Kyle. Brother Kyle, I need your help up here. Come on, sow seed. Come on, sow some seed. Sow some seed. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Brother Robinson, why do you emphasize prayer room? Because I'm sowing seed. It bothers me when people, I don't care if you've been here for four months or 45 years, and you don't have a desire to press your way to the prayer room, I'm telling you that is tears that is being sown as well. But we need people, regardless if you have children here or not, I need you to help me pray to pass it down to the next generation. Because 15 years from now, I'm going to still be here. I'm going to still be preaching. I'm going to still be declaring that Jesus is Lord. I'm going to still be preaching there's one way to heaven and we need seed that is sown into the ground. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, take another 30 seconds. Magnify the name of Jesus. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Sow that seed. Is he worthy? Sow that seed. Is he worthy? Sow the seed. Uh huh. So I dare say, our parents should not be the greatest worshipers. I said, I dare say that our adults should not be the greatest worshipers. Our adults should just set the tone. And then our teenagers, all the way down to preteens, all the way down to four years old, they should be the ones. They should be the ones leaping and jumping. They don't even got full understanding. They don't even understand what they're doing, but they're sowing seed. They're sowing seed. They're putting seed in the ground. And then I need some parents that will water that seed and say, go ahead, child. Go ahead, child. Go ahead, young person. Go ahead. You can come out. You can overcome. Hallelujah. Clap your hands unto the Lord and magnify him in this house. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Give me a little bit more volume on that. Because when I count to three, we're going to give God a great praise. And I need you to make that thing roar. I said, I need you to make it roar. Come on, on the count of three, we're going to give God a great praise for about 15 seconds. Come on, are you ready? One, two, three, lift him up.
Hallelujah. Come on, when they prayed, when they was all assembled together, the place, the foundation began to shake. I wonder if we can cause the foundation to shake. I wonder if we can call the walls to move. Come on, in the name of Jesus, lift up that name. Now, let me tell you something. In Jesus' name. If you want something to be produced, it must come out of you. Oh boy. I said if you want something to be produced, it must come from you. We have many parents in this world, even in the church, that lives vicariously through their children. You can see that in the way they act, in the way that they dress, in the things that they do. You see it in the sports world. You see it in the church as well. They will live by, vicariously through their children. Oftentimes, I can tell a parent's motive based on their children's actions and responses. Ooh, that's good preaching. That's good preaching. Uh-huh. I, I, I can see that based on how your children respond and act. I know what's being taught at home. Uh-huh. Oh, yes, I can. And so it's important that if you want to produce something, then it must come from you. You can't sit down and do nothing and never pray, never read your word, never worship, but expect the next generation to pray, read their word and worship. The production must come out of you. That's why I thank the Lord, Brother Oliver King, every time you used to come up to this front. And when your family's here, I would see your daughter follow you right up here. Why? Because you're planting seed. And see, your daughter, your children are watching what you do. They say, if daddy can get up here and worship, that means I can get up here and worship. And some of us in here that don't have parents that belong here, I need some elderly folks. Your children may not be here, but you're still sowing seed. You ask, God, my God. I'm telling you, it would do us some good. I'm not expecting you to run. Let them run. But I am expecting you to lift your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. I am expecting you to clap your hands when thus saith the Lord. I'm expecting a response out of somebody in here. Why? Because you're teaching the next generation. When pastor preaches Jesus, I got to respond. When pastor says repent, I've got to respond. When pastor says clap your hands, I got to respond. And when pastor says dance before the Lord, I have to respond. Yes, Lord. This, 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 this won't sound apostolic. Please be seated. Yeah, y'all like what pastor just killed the whole spirit. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I want to talk to you. Okay? 
Because I'm not preaching this Sunday night to make myself happy. I'm preaching this Sunday night to sow seed in the ground. So when I see things coming about the ground, it's going to be wheat and not the tares. All right? Uh-huh. It's good. Boy, didn't our choir, they, they killed it, didn't they, this morning? Killed it. Killed it. Killed it. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm so proud of this church. Our the praise team, whew, that, that, was, that was great. It was very good. Very good. Musicians, wonderful. But boy, if we got a choir, if we got musicians, and we got a praise team that will worship up there, but when they get out here, they sit down and act like ain't nothing moving, then, then, then I got a problem with who's, on a, who's musicians and who's the praise team then. Because I'm sorry, what you do only sets the atmosphere for what I'm doing. And I'm not talking pridefully here. You better hear the spirit of what I'm saying. I don't care who's got the microphone. That just sets the tone of what the preached word is supposed to be. The preached word is the most important thing in a church service. And then the second thing is the altar call. Music is all the way down the list, my friend. I'm telling you, we don't need all the music because we will have all the music we want up in heaven. There'll be no more preaching. There'll be no more repentance. There'll be no more of that. We'll be worshiping the Lord. But while we are here on this earth, we must respond to the preached word. We must respond to the altar call. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Hold on, Brother Kyle. You're you getting ahead of me, brother. Hold on, hold on. You're getting excited back there. Just calm down for a moment. Have, have a seat. Now, we're going to get out of here. But I know I've seen her. What's this again? Oh, you, she behind your head, brother. I couldn't see her behind your head, Brother King. There she is. Okay, Sister McGee, I'm going to mess up this story. So when everybody comes to you, just correct the story, okay? Sister McGee was sharing with me. How her, her two brothers, they went on a trip, right? They went on a family trip, and they had a great time together. They didn't kill themselves. They came back safe. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You get me and my brothers and sisters going on a trip that many miles, oh, somebody's not coming back. Somebody is either dead or left somewhere. They're, they're not coming back. So, so, so they talked about this trip. Well, she went back to visit her hometown where she grew up, and she said that when she was being raised in that home, her mother was the only Holy Ghost-filled person in the city. Wow. Am, I right? Am I right so far? Okay. Wow. No, you're not hearing me. In the city, the only Holy Ghost-filled person in the city. But because while she was there, she stayed sanctified. <laughs> and she taught her children how to be sanctified. She taught her children how to live holy. She taught her children how to live right. And she stayed saved. Because you may be the only person in your dormitory that's not saved, but that don't mean you need to backslide. You stay saved. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because you just don't know what type of seeds you are sowing. And so, lo and behold, they go back, and I'm going to fast forward this, and, and I'm going to condense it, I'm not doing it justice. So, they go back there, and to, only to realize now, from the only family in the city that had the gift of the Holy Ghost, now there's an entire apostolic church in the city. 
You mean to tell me you don't think her mama used to pray, Lord, send us a church. Lord, send us a church. Lord, send us a church. She didn't get to see it, but I believe she died in faith. Hebrews 11 says these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but they seen it afar off. So, so please be seated. Now there's an entire apostolic church there. I'm not talking about just a few people. A large apostolic church. Many members, hundreds of people, if not thousands. It could be hundreds of people at least. In this apostolic church. And the person that lives in the home that they grew up in also is a Holy Ghost filled person. And the people in that city still say it was because of your mom. It was because of the witness. Now I'm saying your mom, it's all y'all mama. It's because of y'all mama. The, the seed that she sowed into that ground, into that city, many years later, now the fruit has come up out the ground. The fruit. Because of the mom that y'all had. Hallelujah. That's why you're here today. It's because the prayers of your mom. It's because the, the seed that she was sowing. That's why y'all here today. There's prayers that's been stored up in heaven for all three of y'all. All y'all, all, all the children that are still around. It's those prayers that's been stored up in heaven. The same for you and I. That grew up in that type of home. To this day, because of one family has affected Hundreds, if not thousands of people. Why? Because they sowed into the ground. They sowed good seed into the ground. Are y'all hearing me, church? They sowed good seed into the ground. And you better not look at me and tell me that that mama did not walk around the house laying hands on the doors, laying hands on the ground, proclaiming the name of Jesus all over that place. It's not a coincidence that the person that lives in that house also has the Holy Ghost as well. Why? Because that home is full of the Holy Ghost. I wonder whose house in here is full of the Holy Ghost. Can Jesus walk into your home and feel the power of the Holy Ghost in that place I wonder do we have good seed that is in the ground can we stand to our feet one more time begin to magnify the name of the Lord come on lift up the name that's above every name